0: Welcome to another podcast of Truth For Today. I'm your teacher, Joseph Frana, and we are studying the book of Ephesians, a great New Testament crown jewel. I say crown jewel because it is a remarkable book. It talks about our position in Christ. It talks about our walk with the Lord our walk in the spirit, our conduct, and it also talks about how to walk in spiritual warfare and overcome every kind of spiritual attack in our life. We need to know these things. These things are so relevant for today. We are the people of God, and God has given us authority. He's given us dominion on this earth. And he has given us the name of Jesus, the name above all names. And he is showing us how to exercise our God-given spiritual authority. And it's so important that as a believer, you know that you do have authority. Uh, There is a phrase I like to use, the authority of the believer. Jesus has not left us here as orphans, but he's given us authority to where we can succeed, we can overcome difficulties and circumstances, and we can walk in the victory, the victory life, the resurrection life of Jesus Christ while we're here on this earth. We're not just waiting uh, to go to heaven. No, we've got a purpose. Of, uh, we, we've got God's got a plan. And we have a call from God to accomplish His purpose and plan. So we're going to get right into this today. We're going to pick up in Ephesians chapter 4. We've gone over the first three chapters and I've done kind of a synopsis on them last time. And so I'm just just going to move right on into Ephesians 4. So let's read this. I'm reading in the King James Version. And it says, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation or the calling wherewith you are called. So Paul was a prisoner of the Lord. He was writing this from a prison uh, in Rome. And uh, this is one of his prison epistles. An amazing. Uh, Feet for one thing, to be able to write when you're incarcerated uh, and you're in a very, you know, in a dungeon, in a prison. But also the revelation that God poured through Paul during this time, uh, it is such a powerful revelation to the church on our position in Christ. And we mentioned before about the little phrases, in Christ, in whom, through whom, by whom, these are all little phrases or indicators of who we are, who, what our real identity is on this earth as Christians. We have an identity. And uh, we are the sons and the daughters of God. And that's something that we need to understand and walk in every day. <clears throat> of our life on this planet. Verse 2, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, being patient with each other, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Bob, you could spend a whole podcast on this one verse alone. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit. So Paul is talking to both Jews and Gentiles here. Uh, We know that from Ephesians chapter two, that there were both Jews and Gentiles in this Ephesian church. This church grew to be quite large and most historians uh, believe it grew to at least 50,000 people in membership. So this was a, a large church This was a church that was turned on for God. Uh, They were full of good works, and we know that from the book of Revelation, chapter 2. We also know that from this church, uh, there was a Bible school uh, birth, uh, the school in Tyrannus. That's in uh, Acts, chapter 19. And Paul himself taught in that school for two years. That was the time period of of his stay in that school. But it says... During his time teaching in the school of Tyrannus in the region of Ephesus, it says that all Asia was reached with the gospel. Must have been some Bible school because the Spirit of God was being poured out in such a mighty way that people were going out and winning people all over Asia. That was Asia Minor, And many people were coming to the Lord, and there were churches that were being established. The church at Colossae and Galatian Church and others, Laodicean Church. A lot of churches were being uh, born at that time. Now, we're going to get into this whole thing about the unity of the Spirit, because we uh, have some challenges in the church today. Uh, concerning this whole area of unity. And it's very hard for different church groups and camps and denominations to come together based on doctrine, almost an impossibility. However, when people pray together and people are uh, fellowshipping together in the spirit and uh, walking in love, it produces unity. Unity. And when the church is unified, they're the most powerful force on this earth. There is no more powerful force than a unified body of Christ. But we don't become unified through men's organizations. I'm not saying God can't use them because he does, but I'm saying that's not the source of our unity. The source of our unity is in the spirit. He says, you know, be careful to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So there is unity when we're all in the Spirit. And when we're not in the Spirit or we're in the flesh, there, there's not going to be unity. So the church has to grow up, and that's exactly what this chapter is talking about, growing up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a mature man unto the fullness of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We are supposed to to resemble Jesus on this earth. We are his representatives. And we're going to get into this. So I'm going to go on here Go back to verse 4 here. Paul comes out with a tremendous statement of doctrine, but it's a, a revelation from God to the church in Ephesus at this time and the surrounding churches. There is one body. There isn't Jew and Gentile. No, there's one body and one spirit. The Holy Spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, there's one hope, and that is the hope of our calling in Jesus Christ, fulfilling what God has called us to do on this earth, what God has sent us to do. Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. So we are sent once we're born again. uh, The Holy Spirit grooms us or prepares us, equips us to be sent out to be ambassadors for Christ. Verse 5, one Lord, there's only one Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. There's only one universal head of the church. His name is Jesus Christ. There are you know people that hold positions in church organizations but they're not the head of the church. The head of the church will always be has always been and will always be Jesus Christ, the head of the church. We are all to be submitted to him. There is one body and one spirit even as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, One faith, one baptism. Now, he's talking about here baptism into Christ. The Bible talks about several different kinds of baptism, water baptism. It says about Moses in in the Old Testament, they were all baptized into the cloud and into the sea when they crossed over, uh, you know, the Red Sea. And they were baptized into Moses, so to speak. The type and a symbol. But here, this is the only baptism really in the Bible that has any really that has any significance, and it's baptism into Christ. The word baptism in the Greek it means to be placed into. So when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the spirit of the living God came to live in you. You became a temple of God. But that's not all. You were placed into Christ. The Bible is very clear on this, and we're going to get into this, that we were created in Christ Jesus. We mentioned that in the previous chapter, chapter 3 of Ephesians. We were created in Christ Jesus. I think we ought to just pause here for a little bit and understand that if any man is in Christ, in Christ, there it is again, that phrase in Christ, in whom, through whom, by whom, it's a position, it's an identification. If any man, Any person, man, woman, child, is in Christ. He, she are a new creation. The old things have passed away. That old life, that old sinful life. Behold, all things have become new. In other words, we've been placed into Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. Through, we share his death. We share in his burial, and we certainly share in the power of his resurrection, and that's a resurrection out of sin. Woo. If you're struggling today in that area of sin, addiction, anything, and you're a Christian, you need to get the revelation of resurrection in your life, because when Christ was raised, you were raised with him out of the power of sin and death. And you were seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, seated in a place of dominion, authority. You are, as a Christian, where he is. He's seated at the right end of, of the Father and you've been placed there next to him. You say, how can I understand these things? You can understand them by meditating on the word of God and praying in the spirit. The Lord will give you a spirit of revelation, a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your heart or understanding will be enlightened or flooded with light. And you'll begin to see yourself in him. I know I'll never forget the time I was praying in a in my home church in Tulsa, Rama Bible Church. And I was praying there one afternoon. They used to open up the church for prayer. And I was meditating on Ephesians 2, 6, having been raised up with him and seated with him. And, the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, and I've been praying in the Spirit for maybe 45 minutes, and all of a sudden I saw myself the way God sees me, seated with Him. Now you say, well, how could you see that? Well, because I was in a place in the Spirit. And when you get in the Spirit, you begin to see and know things you can never see and know in the natural realm. That's why... It's so important to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to pray in the Spirit. Now, we're going to go on here. So, we have one God and Father of all who is above all. In other words, he's, He's in charge. And through all. In other words, He's in us. And in you all. We don't serve a God who is in faraway places. We serve a God who is living, a living God, and his location is living in us. So if you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you've been born again, God has located himself in you. And I love this verse in another sense, verse 6. One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Do you know that not only is the Holy Spirit in us as Christians, it says that Christ is in us, Christ in us, the hope of glory, Colossians 1, 27, but... A lot of times people don't mention this part. The Father is also in us. So we have the Godhead, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit abiding, dwelling, living in us. The Father God, the planner. Oh, what a planner. Oh, what a plan. He's in you with the plan. And then we have the Holy, and then we have Jesus who executes the plan and then we have the Holy Spirit who reveals to us the plan. Wow, we have the whole package. We have the Godhead, the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit living in us. And it's three persons in one. But they are three distinct persons, but they're in total unity and they are one. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. So each one has their place and their function in our lives, and we're going to learn more about that as we go through this study. You ought to get really excited about it because God the Father is in you. It says right there, in you. It says he's also through, in other words, He's also in the church, throughout the church. When the church is moving in the Holy Spirit, it's a very dynamic assembly of people. When the church is living in the Spirit, there is revelation, there are dreams, there are visions, there are spiritual gifts operating God is manifesting continually in the church that lives, moves, and walks in the Holy Spirit. This is so important for us today because there really is no such thing as a dead church uh, in in this sense. If God is in his people, then they are alive to God. They may not know it, they may need some teaching and instruction, and they may need a touch from God from time to time, but God will give them whatever they need so that their hearts can be united in love and their, and their spirits can be on fire for Jesus. Jesus said in the book of Revelation, some of the last words he ever spoke to the, book, uh, to the uh, church of Laodicea, he said, I would that you were cold or hot, but because you're lukewarm, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. That's a pretty strong statement from the Lord. In other words, he doesn't like dead churches, cold churches, lukewarm churches. He likes churches that are hot and on fire. And that's what we should be saints in this day and hour. Believers, God has provided us the fire of the Holy Spirit. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 1, he said, stir up the gift of God that is in you, that you have received through the laying on of hands. Stir it up. In other words, another translation in the Amplified Bible says, Fan the flames of the Holy Spirit. Fan the flames of the Spirit of God in your life. God has much more for you than you know. My wife and I, over the years, we've been married almost 37 years now. And over the years, we've traveled together extensively all over the world. But there was a certain verse that we used to quote all all the time and it's out of the old testament i believe it's in second if i can remember it exactly second chronicles but i know the verse the verse says the lord has much more for you than this i want you to know christian believer son of god daughter of god god has much more for you than what you are experiencing now and the spirit of god will take you from where you are now and bring you into what God has for you. We need spirit-filled churches, spirit-filled prayer meetings, spirit-filled everything, spirit-filled media on the earth. Not people just having a intellectual discussion about the Bible, but people that are filled with revelation from God about the Bible, prophesying. You know, Paul said, <clears throat> In 1 Corinthians 14, I would that you would all prophesy. He talked about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. He said, I do not want you to be ignorant of spiritual things or spiritual gifts, but especially that you would prophesy. It's a very powerful gift. It moves the church into action. And the church needs to be moved in this hour like no other hour moved into action. Okay, back to Ephesians 4, verse 7, another great revelation. But unto every one of us is given grace. Aren't you glad? That's God's ability, God's power working in you. But unto every one of us is given God's grace or God's ability according to the measure of the gift of Christ. And that gift was incredible. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive. This is after he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven. And while he was ascending, wherefore He saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. He gave gifts to the church. He gave gifts to us. And there are many gifts. He's going to go into ministry gifts, first of all, or the offices that God has placed in the church. A lot of times people think, well, because they've not experienced all five gifts or ministry offices in the church. They kind of gravitate toward maybe one or two, but you know, there are five. And they all represent Christ. Christ, and I'm gonna go and read this first and then we're gonna talk about it. But unto every one of us is given grace, God's ability, God's anointing, unction of the Holy Spirit, According to the measure of the gift of Christ, wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive. All those Old Testament saints that were not born again yet, they were then able to go to heaven after Christ's suffering, death, and resurrection. And then it says he gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. So look at what he's talking about. He's talking about his ascension, but he's also talking about his descension. You know that Christ suffered. He went to hell. Not only did he suffer on the cross, but he spent three days, according to the prophecy of Jonah, He spent three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jesus himself quoted that prophecy in the Gospels. Three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Well, where might that be? It had to be hell or Hades or Sheol. And then the Holy Spirit broke in to hell and resurrected Jesus from the very lowest pit into the very highest place when he was seated at the right hand of the Father. It didn't stop at the resurrection. Jesus was seen by 500 people over 40 days after the resurrection who were eyewitnesses that he was alive and then he bodily Ascended in front of a group. I'm not sure what the number was, but it was over 100. He was bodily, he bodily ascended. He was bodily resurrected. He showed them the scars in his hands, his side, his feet. And then it says, wherefore he saith, When he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it? But but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. He that descended is the same, same person, also that ascended up far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Or another translation is fulfill all things. (laughs) He fulfilled all things through His death, burial, and resurrection, I might add, His life was the fulfillment of God's promise of a Redeemer, a Savior who would atone the Lamb of God who who was the sacrifice for our sins. And now, It says this. And he gave some apostles. Those are sent ones or messengers. And he gave some apostles and some prophets. Those are inspired teachers. And people that carry revelation of things in the future. He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists. Those are people that preach the gospel and preach Jesus Christ and some pastors and teachers. And the pastors are the shepherds and the teachers. They can be pastors. They can be prophets. They can be apostles. Or they can just be traveling ministers. But they are the ones that expound on the word of God, lay uh Lay foundations in people's lives to where people can be thoroughly established in the truths of God's word and the sound doctrine of God's word. And then it goes on and says, Why were they sent? Why were why did he bring these gifts? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry for the edifying or the building up of the body of Christ until we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. We need to grow up in Christ in our knowledge unto a mature man, a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Wow, we're going to go back to this in our next podcast, but this is amazing that we can grow up in all aspects into him. I want to thank you uh, for watching today, Truth For Today. I'm your teacher, Joe Franta, and this is a powerful time in the Word of God in the book of Ephesians. Thank you, and I look forward to seeing you next time.